In this episode, we're talking about our 11-day adventure to Northwest Ireland, the logistics, the adventure, the misadventure, and how we managed to get away for so long as business owners. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and Gubby Gubby people. We honour their songlines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land of which you are listening to this episode today. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. We're your hosts, Vicky Oliver. And Nikki Farrell. So the other day we did an Instagram post letting people know that we'd been away on an awesome 11-day camping holiday to remote Northwest Ireland with 45 other people. And we had a heap of people asking heaps of questions. So we thought instead of answering all those questions <laughs> one by one, we just thought we'd talk about it here and answer your questions on the podcast episode instead. So right. Vic, do you want to tell us a little bit about where we went and all of that kind yes. of stuff? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so Northwest Island is bucket list for me. It's a small coral island off Gladstone uh, in the Southern Great Barrier Reef. So it's is uninhabited other than 150 campers that are permitted to be on the island from April through to somewhere later in the year. They closed the island down due to uh, bird and turtle nesting during the summer months and um, they do have a camp host on the island with a radio um, and there's toilets on the island, so composting pit toilets, and that's it. There's no running water. There's nothing. There's no shelters, just the toilets, and you have to be completely self-sufficient in every other way. Uh, It's a six-hour barge to get out to the island, so the barge can only land on the island at the high tide, and that means that um, when you arrive and when you leave can be at all hours of the night or day. So for us, we had to... um, the way that it worked, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm, I'm sort of skipping ahead, but um, it, well, the island itself is, it takes about an hour and a half to walk around. Um, there's a trail that goes all the way through. So it's not a huge island, um, but it's big enough and it definitely feels like you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a big coral atoll that surrounds it, so coral shelf. Uh, so when the tide goes out, it's very shallow and you can't get boats out to the outer reef. Um, it's only, a, you know, 20 centimetres of water in some places. And so we decided that it would be a very fun adventure to go there as a big group of people. <laughs> um, so there was 20 adults and 20 kids, 25 kids, something like that. Oh, I might have been 25, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we have this trip organised. And so essentially we drove to Gladstone, which is a five-hour drive for us on the Sunshine Coast. And boarded the barge. No, the the all of our husbands loaded the barge at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> we stayed in a hotel essentially just for that first part of the evening. And at around 11, 11.30 in the night, we 
bundled everyone up into cars and took us all to the barge and loaded on and we were on the barge for six hours from midnight until six in the morning. Scoffing quills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the night that we left, it was a three metre swell. It was not a smooth sail out to the island. So uh, the way the barge is set up, that there's an indoor cabin area upstairs and there were sleep mats distributed everywhere and people tried their hardest to sleep from that midnight to six in the morning. On the floor, like sardines. <laughs> on the floor, <laughs> on sardines. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a very near miss on Nikki's head with a small child nearly vomiting on her. There were a few I thought I dreamt. <laughs> <laughs> and it was real. Um, but for the most part, people coped really, really well with that barge trip out there. So it was an adventure just to get there. Um, mm. And then we ride on sunrise, the big, beautiful pink sun's clouds in the sky Mm. as we approached the island and they dropped we had three boats in our crew um they dropped them from the barge so they lowered the front of the barge down into the water and dropped the boats off and they yeah it was was insane to watch and Mm. fun and all of those and so exciting um and then we had to basically unload 11 days worth of food and camping gear onto the beach. Yeah, because there's no cars. You can't take cars on the barge. So when people say, oh, you took the barge over, we're like, yeah, blah, blah. We loaded it on with our hands. Yeah. The husbands did. And then everybody, kids included, had to load. Like that took us just to unload that barge an hour just to oh, get God. it empty. Yeah. So there's a two-hour almost turnaround. And that wasn't moved and set up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much learning. But we basically just dumped everyone's stuff in a big pile. On the high tide, which was still coming in. It was Easter holiday as well, which we probably need to add into that. Sorry. There were so many people on the beach watching, um, <laughs> watching us unload. Um, and then we had to manically try and find a spot for 40 campers in a very full camp ground. Um, it, it can it can fit all those people, but because everyone was so spread out, it meant that we had to spread out. It was probably the most disappointing part. One of the most disappointing mm. parts, I guess, was that we, we had a communal kitchen set up. And a couple of families set camping there, but the rest of us were really spread out. So it was an exhausting day. We were trudging 200 litre barrels of water, got rolled <laughs> down the barge, and then we had to somehow get those barrels of water up to campsites and along the beach, depending on where we were. Car fridges, batteries. Mm. Really, really heavy gear. So the barge company supply um, dollies, you know, the little carts to take stuff but that's the otherwise it was just pure man power yeah 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 the, the hats off to the men they did an epic very physical like the women nutted down and did heaps of work too but they really did all that heavy yeah of- so we're going to paint a really great picture of this island um to begin with let's get the hard stuff out the first. hard stuff yeah so <laughs> look it was definitely when we say it was not a holiday it was an adventure because mm. we then had to set up our tents under the canopy of these Personia trees covered with a population of 500,000 noddies. So they're these beautiful little <laughs> blackbirds with a white little white little bonnet on their head. Um, they nest on the islands and they poo everywhere. So everywhere. you are trying to set up your gear. So your gear's in a pile under these trees while there is literally poo everywhere. So you're having to set up tarps to go over your camp setup so that you don't ruin all of your things. So it was quite manic to get that to set up the communal area. So we had mm. huge six by seven metre tarps set up with um, big tables and um, one of the amazing dads had 
like bought some plywood to make benches so so we could cook up higher so normally with a camp table you're, it's not a great height for cooking. Mm. Um, so we actually had those plywood bits of wood on top of water barrels to lift everything up. We had like a pantry set up so all of the food and ha- absolutely the um, Nicole and Kat did an amazing job of organising and Sam the food um, because we ate like kings despite the fact that we yeah. were on this island in the middle of nowhere. So we had this whole communal setup that had to be done in amongst everyone wanting to get their own camp setups done as well and having to find positions for solar panels to run fridges and just all of these minor little things that we had to think about in order to keep ourselves comfortable for 11 days. So by the end of that, I think a few of us were almost in tears, just like what have we done? (laughs) Like this was hard. We knew it was hard. Like we were under no illusions, but the reality of what that was was really hard. Like it was. Yeah, I was really impressed how well that I saw I'm sure it was going on behind the scenes but how little bickering there was even between oh, couples I really yeah. might have been some people like losing their shit at each other because it was just we were, had no sleep we were tired some people were vomiting on the barge all yeah night. it was hot in the middle of the day kids needed their needs attended to I really thought there would have been some snapping at each other by the end of the day and I was so impressed that we all managed to hold our heads together. Oh, we did. And, like, even um, between Jamie and I, like, I think that's probably one of the best setups we've done. Um, yeah. Where we were just, like, I guess surrendering to it all. It was hard and we all had our moments, but it was never directed at each other or just was what it was and we just let ourselves mm. be, be in the pain and the suffering in the moment. And we learned so much. So even though it was so hard for us this time, if we, we you know, when we go back, mm. it won't be as hard as it was this time around. Um, but, yeah, it was difficult. So on top of the the knotty birds, there were also mutton birds or shearwaters that... In the ground. Another reason you had to have your tent up as well. So they, yeah, they burrow. They live in the ground and it was nesting season, but it was the end of nesting season. So the mothers had all gone on to their great big, you know, annual expedition and left the babies to fend for themselves. <laughs> so all day but mainly at night and because it was Easter it was a full moon as well and they're attracted mm. to the light these babies were crying out Wailing. for their mums to be fed and they just sounded like babies so I don't know about you but I would wake in the night going oh my god there's a baby in distress it was like <laughs> funnily enough I didn't even hear any of the birds I think I was the only one so that was you not were definitely the only one that was not, not a not a downside for me I didn't I just I when I when I tuned in I was like birds and then I and then I just didn't hear them everyone else did whereas yeah another one or two families were like that's that's the thing that's the thing that I won't that's I can't deal with that that's my thing that's not I'm not going to come back because yeah or I'd have to have some sort of noise cancelling headphones Mm. to sleep because it was insane they just reminded me of and it was I think it was Amber that was like came went to get the toilet in the middle of the night one night and she said it was like waking up into this nightmare of like (laughs) zombie mutton birds because they would march all in a group towards you because you had your head torch on and it was like are they coming to attack me yeah but they would fly towards the light straight into you straight into your head your head yeah (laughs) so I had that Jamie and I got up one morning to go watch the sunrise um walking along the beach and um I walked, I was walking back and this just full force into my head and I had to like feel, I was like, oh, my God, does it cut me open? Like it hit me that hard. I was like, oh, my God. Um, oh. And then by the last night when we were leaving and we, it was um, a, the barge came at four in the morning 
and we left at six. And so all of the birds were taking off first thing in the morning and we just like watched them. They were drawn to the light on the barge and they kept hitting the side of the barge um, and they were hitting people all over the place. It was one part hilarious and one part terrifying. Yeah, so if, you, if you're not a bird person and you have a bird for Not you, the island for you. Not the island. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, we got a notification saying that there was an outbreak of the hawk. What they, what moth they caterpillar. Moth, hawk moth caterpillars. And so I remember when we first got to the island, um, one of the women were like, oh, look, this beautiful little caterpillar. And they're pretty, this beautiful <laughs> green pretty. caterpillar. And then we realised that that's actually the the island was covered in them and they'd been eating all the personia leaves and they were everywhere and they were dropping out of trees. They'd land on your head. They would land on you. You'd pick up your rain jacket and they'd made like, themselves comfortable and you'd squish them and then all of the scutsadoos out. Elsie put her togs undies on and there were two in her togs. (laughs) (laughs) I put my hat on and I thought I had knits because you could feel something moving. Um, And we make it sound horrible, but I tell you what, it was was a bit of a like half ick again, half ick and then also half hilarious. And the other thing is it's a good educational experience for the kids, right, because there was a rat plague and tell you what, I would take caterpillars over rats Same. any day of the week, yep. but national parks had baited the rats, which then these poor um, rails, which is almost, it looks like a quail bird had eaten these rats and got secondary poisoning. So then nothing was there to keep the caterpillars at bay. So, you know, a good old humans ruining the circle of life, mm. but I would take those caterpillars any day of the week. Oh, over I yeah, mice or rats, totally. Yeah, yeah. So once we got over all of that, so and then I had a migraine on day <laughs> Why two. Why did we go again? Oh, Why yeah, did we go? Yeah, so that's sick. right. So I was so sick on the second. I get migraines anyway, but um, this one popped up on me and I was really sick the second day. Then post that, <laughs> um, the place was just magical. So the water was yeah. the bluest blue you've ever seen. Which is why we went. Yeah, it's why we went. And we went for 11 days because you do lose the two days on either side for pack up, pack down. Um, and, you know, you've got to allow for not great weather. But we just jagged the best weather, particularly in the first five, six days. Mm. Blue skies, you know, fairy floss, sunrises and just the most brilliant sunsets. And time just slowed down. Like there was no service on the island. So there was no way oh. for us to check social media or check the weather. We had to go and talk to the camp host to get a radio through just to check um, wind direction, wind speed and the possibility of rain, um, which was amazing. Yeah, so you're living by the tide. So the, at the high tide we had this amazing um, mat, floating mat that the kids were playing mm. on. We had paddle boards and kayaks and Hobie Cat, Hobie Cat out and just um lilos i just vividly remember sitting there on my lilo at one point both of us were in the water and we were just like (laughs) this is the moment this is what we live for this is why we do what we Mm. do this is why we make space to do this because it was just absolute bliss blue skies blue water white sand good company Mm. i wouldn't even see our kids my god no and that reef like the main reason we went well i went anyway was like We've been to the reef. The reef is beautiful, but mm. we knew that going further out we'd get better reef. But, you know, there's on the low tide you get the, the dry reef. So the children, it's the tiniest children, could walk out through the dry reef and into this beautiful <sighs> aquarium like nothing you've ever seen before. They could stand up in it and you'd see more than you would at SeaWorld, you know. You would. It was, I loved it in there. 
And then if you got stepped out of that, you stepped into the channel and then you had the reef right there at your doorstep. Like it was, the, it's the most amazing colours you've ever seen in that reef. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you could, more eels and feather stars, sea stars, millions of different types of fish. Um, turtles. We've turtles. Seen hatch, baby turtles. Yeah. When we arrived, the barge arrived and turtles were hatching. We're like, oh, my God. It's interesting. We had turtle care camp that came out to Wildlings two weeks ago just after we'd come back, and she was saying that when the turtles start to hatch, it's the sort of like the vibration of the other hatchlings um, helps them to know that they're ready to go. Like everyone's hatching now, like that vibration um, triggers them to, to start hatching. Um, so people were saying that when the barge came in and was creating the same vibration feeling, that's why so many nests were actually hatching at the time when the barge came in because of that vibration. Again, that's that human interference. But we saw three nests when we arrived of turtle hatchlings in the middle of the day, which is usually not when they come out of the ground. No, and they usually and not come great out because there's more predators. Yeah, So, but it was such an amazing experience. Like we're supposed to be unloading the barge and we were all like, turtle hatchlings, oh, my God. Um, so it was, that was just so amazing. And then, you know, we caught fish every day to eat. I mm. learned so much about cooking fish um, while we were away. But I learned so much about tropical fish, like identifying tropical yeah. fish. Um, and so all of the people who were interested in spearfishing would go out together and that was how bonds were formed between people that didn't know each other particularly well because of the nine families that went, not all of us knew each other. We we were just all shared and and um, the idea to go and do this adventure together, which we highly recommend doing that as a group because you get to share. You don't have to take as much stuff because you're sharing resources. Um, mm, that's so bonding. Yeah, it was. And just watching them all come in and tell their stories about how, um, you know, they'd shoot a fish and then the sharks would come in straight away. And so hearing their stories about how they manage that. So mm, smart. Um, again, we're selling this a lot to people, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're friendly sharks. Yeah, and my eldest tells the story, and I love hearing it. it. Was you know, oh, I got to see a leopard shark, but he doesn't tell the story of when he saw the shark. I just about saw him poop his pants. <laughs> his eyes were as big as dinner plates, and he popped up and gasped out the water and looked at me, and I was like, oh, that's a look of terror. Yeah, and at the same time, I hear Vicky in the background, friendly, <laughs> friendly shark is the call. He didn't hear that, so I've had to tap him on the shoulder and grab him and say. It's a leopard shark, which is a friendly shark. It's okay. And him go straight down. He's like, let me check this out. It was so cool to have you and these experts around to say, it's cool. Um, so many conversations. I remember um, when I came out of my migraine fog, I was so disappointed because I didn't get to see the girls see the reef for the first time. I missed that first snorkel and I'm really so just devastated about that. But anyway, the second time I went out, oh, sorry, the first, second time they went out, I went out, I didn't actually snorkel. I just went out with my big viewfinder thing just out to the the, the low tide um, and on the way in we just saw all these tiny epaulette sharks in the reef and um, I remember having such great conversations with kids who were terrified of sharks and me being able to say look you know there are 200 and something species of sharks and of those five have been known to not have great interactions with humans but there's like hundreds of different types of sharks that are just like fish they just in the ocean like any other animal that you're not scared of um and this is one of them it doesn't get much bigger than this and we saw heaps and then that really calmed a lot of kids down and helped them to understand 
um, more than just the fear-based information that we get about certain species of animals. That was so cool as well. Mm. And even, so there is a resident tiger shark called, is it Colette? Yes, Colette, she's tagged. And they've been tracking her yeah, for what, 10 years, I think? She's over 10 foot long, but she's never had any bad interactions. No. Like, we saw her one morning. It was so exciting. My husband and I love tiger sharks, and it was just, it was it was a highlight seeing her come through at the high tide. But, again, um, she usually only comes at the high tide during the night um, or early morning high tides. We didn't see her during the day during the high tides, um, and she was harmless, beautiful beautiful shark that came through so um all of these moments which just fed into my absolute bliss state Mm, I think that's what I loved about it was no matter your confidence in the water there was completely dry reef watching Mm. where you could walk up to your ankles and you could still see the most amazing like you could see just about everything or there was get in a rock pool and swim and snorkel or it was we had the mat so one of the first big days we took all the children, like 25 children, we took the big floaty mat out. So children that were tired or just needed a bit of a rest could jump on the mat and we towed the mat around. So by the end of it, at one point, there was heaps of children just laid on, <laughs> laid on the mat with their masks in the water, just which was perfect. So, yeah. And then there was the bit, a little bit older children, more confident children that were, you know, free diving and just wonderful. Yeah, it was so cool to watch, um, particularly my, um, my um, for those of you that don't know, my youngest fell out of a tree three weeks before we left, um, <laughs> broke, broke, broke both of her arms. So she was in casts during the um during the trip, but she had cast protectors on, but it also just made it tricky to put wetsuits and keep her warmer and um, comfortable so she went out and she did swim and she did all the things but it, she wasn't able to stay out and duck dive and do all that but watching my eldest be able to do that was just like mm. you know dream come true she was just a natural little mermaid as I know she is um, and I'm so excited to to go back and have that experience again with my youngest who you know had just had a different experience because of her capacity to, to swim as do you much. want to talk about the arm a little bit because I think you know mm. we we harp on about risks and risky play mm. and and it being not um there's less risk in risky risky play to it to a certain extent what what happened that day with the tree climbing yeah and what, I just love her response oh so um we actually all got together as a group, the, the Northwest crew, to test boats and test our gear and, and get to know some of the families we hadn't met yet. And um, it was dark, it was dark, getting on dark anyway. Um, she, she comes running out with her arms outstretched and she'd fallen out of a tree. She'd broken. I could see one arm was broken and the other one I wasn't sure about and rushed her to the hospital. But she said to me that um, she had three points of contact but she just slipped um, and those trees that on that island can be quite high. So when I was telling the hospital staff that she'd fallen from over two or three metres, they were, well, the admissions lady was like, what? How high was she? And you didn't what, see and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's a different, this is the thing, like, and this is where perspective and, and having to be there, those trees in general have so many layers, layers. to them. That's why you can get up so high even at a young age and it's usually on your way down you would be caught because there's so many branches to catch on. Um, And it's just it was just an accident. It happens. Like we're not saying risky play isn't risky. (laughs) It is. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, so she'd fallen and she had broken her, like, wrists. Anyway, so she had two massive big clunky casts and everyone was like, right, that's it they're out they're not coming to the island yeah we just assumed you wouldn't come we all went oh that sucks they won't be coming that was wasn't even an if it was like this sucks they won't be and coming. to me and jamie we were like oh well 
we're better be on an island and and then not be at home feeling sorry for ourselves. Yeah, right. Um, and because we've been through a broken arm before, we knew that she could wear cast protectors on her arms and go swimming. Um, so that I was like, she can still do that. And I mean, we had heaps of emotions and um, all of the stuff that went with that. But in the end, we went and she had a great time. She and, and you plus, had more emotions from your eldest anyway. Yeah, that's that right. Trip. Um, because they woke up and they were with friends from literally sun up to sundown. Um, past sundown. <laughs> you know, when we were organising it, we're like, right, we'll give the kids a boundary because we thought we'd be camping together, which went out the window mm. when we were all spread out. But they were so safe. Like they were just always together with in little groups. And, like, I'd say to them, hey, do you want to come for a kayak? And like, no, we're fine. <laughs> um, and they just had, and it was, and that's what was so cup-filling is that they got to do what they needed to do. We could do what we wanted to do. We could go off in groups and, you know, husbands and wives got time together because someone was always around to look after kids. Um, we only needed one adult to just be the go-to point in case someone something happened to one of them. And someone was always like, yeah, I'm done for the day. I'm happy to just sit on the beach and, you mm. know, do whatever um and at one point you know jamie's out spearfishing and nicole and i grabbed the the little ducky and we're dragging that out and hauling kids out to the to the reef and <laughs> like it was so good um but it wasn't without its own misadventure alongside yeah. that because come day six five well even before we that would doug even oh yeah he got his, Cut his finger open. Um, yeah, so the boys went fishing. A couple of the dads, I think they had a couple. Yeah, they had a couple of the kids as well. At night, went fishing. And Doug's a fisherman. He fishes, fishes a lot. Doesn't had no incidents, and he just cut his finger with a filleting knife. Yeah, quite badly. <laughs> and then one of the other dads ended up with. Um, it sounds so funny, but shark burn, shark skin burn from um, restraining a shark that had been hooked on a. A rod and they were undoing the shark but because of the type of skin that sharks have it just wore the skin away between his um ankles so he had that injury that wasn't on the risk assessment we did do no a risk we did a risk well. assessment yeah oh, and the things that the misadventures other than the cut finger because there was obviously cuts and fishing injuries on there mm. didn't have shark burn on there <laughs> no we had shark attack not shark skin burn um, also didn't have COVID. <laughs> no, so a few families did come down with COVID unbeknownst. So, yeah, so day a couple of kids came down with fever and or vomiting and or headaches in the first couple of days, mm. but not not bad enough that any of us were like, oh, this could be bad for the whole group. Or, or this could be COVID even. We were just like, you know, no, down. it's so funny that none of us, I don't know about you, but no one in our family at any stage were like, oh, I wonder if some, such no. and such has got COVID. No. It was not. I think when you're on a remote island and we'd all arrived healthy, it just wasn't a... <laughs> wasn't we a, talked about it prior. We oh, joked no. about it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and day four, I stupidly was like, I can't believe 45 of us made it here and didn't even bring a single bug. Like, no one's yeah. sick. Ha, ha, ha. And then day five, um, one of our one, six-year-old, one of our friends um, came down, had a fever day two, but got rid of it, no worries. And then day five, I think, came down with an, another fever and went down really hard, but then overnight couldn't bring the fever down at all. It was mm. febrile convulsions and was quite scary um, to see. And at the same time, earlier that evening, my younger son fell off of a slack line and... <laughs> We weren't sure if he'd broken his arm or not. Now, 
You might ask why we took a slack line to a room. Like, we didn't think so. Well, no, I was always said to people, we have a slack line at home and it's up permanently and we've never had an injury. And this slack line was so low. It was like child's knee height, maybe 30 centimetres off the ground, yeah. Yeah, and he just, like, he could have fallen from the ground and landed that awkwardly playing tag. Like, it's take it just is what it is it. sometimes, it yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he woke up in the night and I thought it was his elbow, but he was like, oh, my head's hurting and my, you know, my legs are aching. And, and I've just gone, oh, you're dehydrated and you've got growing pains because that's a common thing in a household. <laughs> yeah, trying to have some pain relief. No, you know, in that kind of state, don't want anything, yada, yada. In the morning, the family with the child that had really, she was really ill um, and really scary overnight being so far away because it's even a chopper flight's a long way away. And she's an A&E nurse, so she also knows how quickly children can mm. turn and go downhill very quickly. Anyway, called the went over to the host, the camp host, used their sat phone, which FYI was a bit useless. So if you do come, highly recommend marine radios because mm. the sat phone wasn't that great reception-wise. Uh, and we called triple zero and just said, like, this is a situation. What do you think we should do? And they said, oh, uh, we'll send a chopper, actually. And we were surprised. We thought they'd send the Coast Guard um, back and forth, back and forth, hours later. And, again, I think if it had been an absolute emergency. You know, respiratory or heart yeah, emergency, yeah. it would have happened a lot quicker. Um, but because we were all fairly calm and she was breathing and, you know, all of that jazz and, and she it wasn't convulsing anymore. Yeah, so chopper came. Chopper took forever to take off again and we didn't realise until <laughs> later that the engine light of the chopper went on and they were wondering whether they should take off or not because technically they were like, we're pretty, like, we're fairly sure we've done all the checks. It, sh- it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, technically an engineer should check it out. But if we stay here, there's no fuel. Um, we can't get an engineer out. So Heron Island's just a short stint across you know it's not far away at all so we'll go there and that's what they did they went to heron island and our friends caught the ferry anyway at that moment we were still waiting for the chopper to come back and get us because that's what they said they would do and then it wasn't till four o'clock that afternoon that we got the coast guard out and thank you huge thank you to vmr gladstone had four volunteers and a paramedic come out and get <laughs> us and they were the most jovial like santa clauses they were muffins and lollies and here steer this little man and you can be the captain and but it was so oh. funny to watch because you're like we have to get the kayaks we have to drag so it's low tide. oh yes had to drag the kayak out at low tide so there's not water enough to actually kayak out to low tide so they had to drag the kayak out to the low tide mark so i reckon the low tide mark would have been what 400 three and 400 meters yeah, out four, yeah then they had so that he had to have a bag and, and yeah the backpack full of babies child and then Scotty had to kayak you guys out there and with all your stuff. Past the reef. Past the reef because they couldn't get close in to pick you up and then drop everyone off and then kayak back in and drag the kayak. Like just the palaver of yeah, the whole situation. All, all day ordeal because it was like, go, 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 chopper's arriving. And then you'd get there and then 25 minutes later the chopper arrived. All right, wait here. The chopper will be back. Two hours later, oh, the chopper's not coming back. Or it might come back or it might not. <laughs> it was just... Yeah, a waiting day. But you know, it's so funny. In a month, that waiting day, it was the most stunning day. It was. And at one point, I dove into that aquamarine water, sat on that lilo, and just laid there and went, "Don't care." <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so amazing, uh, and it was those moments, even uh, you know, in amongst all of the you know, stuff that we've mentioned that make it sound horrible. And why would you ever want to go there? You would, mm. because it's so much easier to talk about all of the 
the misadventure and the ick and the the hard because they make for good stories. I don't know how we can sit here and talk about how azure the water was and how relaxed we felt and how how held and seen we felt with our community and and how easy it was to to cook together and, you know, do all these things together. and, and And time stood still but it flowed so calmly like there was always time to do stuff but yeah. it was never too fast or too, like I was, I was never bored no I was never bored not for a second I was always like well do I just sit and listen to an audiobook or might, I might actually go for a walk around oh hang on but I could walk out to the reef edge yeah so that was my only regret was despite having five glorious days was that I, I would have loved longer saying that the weather kind of took a turn once we left. It so did, we, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up the um, back at the Coast Guard, back to A&E, um, got, the, got the cast on, couldn't see a break on the X-ray, but they were like, look, you're presenting like a break. Uh, it's quite common to not see it because of the swelling. Go book a fracture clinic. We're like, okay, we'll deal with this in the morning. Got back to the hotel and I get a message from my friend saying, and turns out that fever was COVID. Yeah. <laughs> And boom, down down went my youngest. Um, so, and look, I had the sniffles, but not much else. So then all of a sudden it was the, oh, where are we quarantining? Do we go home? I want to go back to the island. Can I go back to the island? So we did, <laughs> spent the whole next day working out our options and we worked out we couldn't get back to the island because we tested positive, but also even national parks weren't coming in, in the swells that were there. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a shame, but on the bright side, I had a friend to quarantine with and the friend had a child and they just played and we just rested and read books and watched movies and enjoyed your time the best you could. Yeah. And if I was at home, I would have worked and I would have cleaned and I would have not rested, but it was a forced rest and it was actually, it was nowhere near as bad as it really could have been. Yeah. And then back on the island, um, both of your respective families also came yeah. down sick. Not not massively, but enough to, you know, keep them um, isolated. Them right down. Yeah, and another yeah. family got really sick as well, which was a real shame. Um, but all of the amazing moments outweighed that, yeah. you know. No, it, 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 it has to be for... To hear all of that, you know, mutton birds, sharks, <laughs> caterpillars, <laughs> breaks, COVID, hauling all your gear, drop loose. For two of us to say, we go back again in a heartbeat. The reef was amazing. The colour of the water is just like something out of a travel brochure. Yeah. And well, I don't know about you, but one of my biggest worries was I've never communal cooked I've never oh, stayed with people mine. that long. Yes. And there's nowhere to leave. You know, other big camping trips we've done, you could always duck off to a cafe or go off and do a book bushwalk or you could leave if you needed space. And I was a bit worried about, oh, God, what if I've had enough of whoever or someone? What if I had enough of my own kids? Like, where can I <laughs> where can we go? <laughs> but it just wasn't, everyone was so unstressed and their cups were so filled and the food was so glorious and everyone pitched in so well that, yeah. It was awesome. And it was that. And I was worried because I'm not, um, I stress about cooking. I'm not very good at. Yeah, same. Um, I don't consider myself a very adventurous cook. So I have my very standard things that don't translate well to group cooking. Um, yeah. But it didn't matter because it was, I didn't have to be that person. I could just sit there and go, tell me what you need. What do you need chopped? I can stir the pot I can Mm. do whatever just tell it like people will delegate and I can do those jobs and it worked out really well because some people some people loved being in there and I appreciate that so much I think 
that's the thing. Like everyone brought their own skill set. So some people fished for it. So we took meat for the first, what, five days? Might have been a bit longer, actually. We, we, we actually lasted longer than we thought it was going to, the meat that yeah. we took. Because um, we can only refrigerate and freeze stuff for so long with solar mm. and whatnot. And then we were very reliant on fish being caught or vego, which none of us were worried about. Um, but there was that much fish and it was fresh and the way it was cooked was so beautiful that it was. we ate so well. It, it did. So and do you know what? Actually, we still had chicken by the last day. Like it, Oh, yeah? Yeah. We, it it oh, went so that. far. Yeah, it was amazing. Like we were like, oh, crikeys, we better, we got, we got to stop eating the fish and eat the chicken. Like. <laughs> We all kind of chose the activity, well, you know, so there were kind of three areas. There was logistics, which was like, like gathering communal gear and sorting out permits and barges and, and whatnot. And then there was um, activities, which we put our hands up for because, <laughs> yes, please, that's the well, I mean, that's our skill set, right, our skillset, as well. Yeah. And, and you know, commandeering kids and Vicky gave a safety briefing about marine life and whatnot on the very first day. And and then there was the kitchen group. And it was just so complimentary and it all meant that the skills that we were worried about, we didn't have to worry about. So, yeah. And the people that were really great thinkers and problem solvers and forward planners like your husband were able to do that and do that really well on behalf of the group. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like what, I don't want to have to think do? about yeah. that for 40 people. Yeah. You know, thinking of things like sand pegs made out of wood for the communal. Like I would never have thought of that stuff. Yeah. You know? And it was Neither so was. useful. Yeah, so, and Doug as well, so. Amazing. Yeah, but and then, okay, so how did we do it as two business owners? Like how did we take two weeks off <laughs> to a place with no service and no signal where our managers couldn't even call us if, you know, absolute poop hit the fan, they were on their own. Mm-hmm. So we did this by making sure that our team knows what to do without us. So we have yeah, outsourced all of those tasks, we have upskilled them to be able to do those tasks. And then in addition to that, we have also created a culture within Wildlings that we trust them to make the decisions that we sometimes have to make. We don't micromanage and Mm. we 100% trust in their ability and their capability and their decision-making processes. But we know them as human beings that they will always do the right thing by children first. Yes. That's all we need to know. Yep. That's all we need to know, that they have children first. And we will back their decisions and if we disagree with what they've done, it will be more of a reflection rather than a reprimand. It's never a reprimand. It would be like, it's a debrief. It's a debrief. debrief. Yeah. And um, like, you know, a lot of the times it's, we may have made the same decision. Doesn't mean it was the right decision, but we totally understand why you made that decision. So because it's situational and we weren't there. So we empathize that you made the decision with the knowledge that you had at the time with the stress that you had. So we back you. And then, and then also then if there is a gap, how do we make sure we fill that gap? We've been doing that the whole way along. We make sure we're building their confidence and asking them what they need. Where is, you, yeah. where is your skill set gaps? What is it that will make your life easier running these programs without us? Yeah, and I would also say releasing control. I've seen and I still see it, lots of um, small business owners with the micromanaging and never leaving, like I have to be there, I have to do yeah. this. And it's not, it's not a healthy culture, first of all, it's, and it's not healthy for you. You need breaks. You're more creative. You're better at your job. You're better with people when you take regular breaks. So yep. starting with a day off, then a weekend, then a long weekend, then a week, then 10 days, and then like us, maybe, you know, take two weeks off with no signal. And next time and they it might were, be course, 16 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were incredible. And we knew they, they were. would be incredible. And we knew we didn't have anything to worry about. And when we came back, 
there was no extra workload from their behalf. It was no. just what we had missed out with our own workload. That's like right. They had everything covered because that's their role and they know what their role is. They stepped up into the roles they needed to while we were away and they're amazing. We're so grateful to have such an incredible team that we can go away with because we couldn't we couldn't run it. We, we couldn't, couldn't do it. We couldn't it. go away without them. No. Not without closing programs down and being like, well, we have to completely shut the business down for two weeks. Yeah, for two weeks. Yep. Yeah, and that's um, not cool for no. our customers. And we're just totally into knowledge sharing. Like we don't gatekeep information in the business. Mm. Um there, there are there was a, you know and then being organized like a, there was one task that really could not be outsourced to anyone else and I just made sure that I did that in advance um, and set it all up and it was actually a last minute afterthought but I still was able still gave myself an, enough time to to do that and just yeah knowing what your tasks are during that time and making sure you if, if no one else can do them that you've done them in advance so you've given people yeah. the information they need to be able to do that for you mm. and the next thing I would say is to, for you to have a healthy culture is also to make sure that your team can take time off as well. So that means yeah. you knowing their roles as well and don't hold off on doing the things that bring you joy because if you don't do those things, you're going to hate your job and you're going to yeah. fold and, you you know, if you're not turning up to work loving work, then it rubs off and your customers know it as well. Whereas we came back and we're like, oh, my God, we went on this adventure and all this happened. It was amazing. And we come back so re-energised and so passionate and so grateful yeah. to our team it's just so important. Like, make sure you prioritize the things yeah. that you enjoy in life, and giving them permission to also do the same. Not feel like yes. they are going to let us down if they want to take three weeks off to go visit their family in America. Yeah, whatever Hi, it is Lindsay. they want to do. <laughs> Lindsay just went and surprised her mum in America after three years, and they're having a fabulous reunion right now. And again, we left you know two weeks ago, and now she's gone for three weeks, and we're picking up where she needs the workload to be picked up. And that's what we do because we're a team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too is not letting lack of experience be a barrier for you. No. Um, you need to make sure that you've got people in place that can do the things that need to be done. Yeah, and finding their niche. So, mm. you know, expanding on people's deep passions and if, if we trust in their abilities, we get to watch them fly and that brings us joy too, you know. Like it makes us so happy that Lindsay can be over there right now or, you know, our Brisbane team take the first week off of term and they generally are off adventuring and they always come back with these great stories and we love to hear about them. We love to we hear do. about them filling their cups. So, and inspiring um, us so to do the same. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're living that forest school philosophy of, yeah. of that, A, that growth mindset of adventure and um, travel and community and, you know, misadventure is is growth. You know, we got uncomfortable and we grew and we bonded and we've made memories that I think the kids, I don't think the kids will forget Northwest. And actually, it's funny, one of the hosts who helped um, take us out to the Coast Guard, she was telling me the story the whole way out. She was like, I came here when I was about, 10 years old and I've done one trip out here and I brought my my friend and they were in their early 20s these two nurses mm. and I wanted to come back because I remember it so vividly yeah like, yes that's all we're doing for our children that's exactly right yeah Ugh, yeah bucket, and you're doing things that are on our boat this is on my bucket list like I mm. it's funny how you also have a very clear vision of things like I was looking up going to a similar island with my just my family and we went oh it's a bit hard just the four of us going together with all the logistics. And then two years later, this opportunity came up in community and I was like, oh, my gosh, mm. this is something that I wanted to do really, really bad. And, that, like, since that I've been like, I really want to do it, I really want to do it. 
And then the opportunity mm. came up and we're able to tick things off that have, you know, for me, being marine biologist, my dream place. Like I just, I was so blissfully happy there. It was unbelievable. Like I, yeah, I'm so excited to go back. So I think things we learned were we're going to try. We'll let you know how we go of not going right in the nesting season, see if the mutton birds are a bit quieter. Yeah. And we, we had a group of homeschoolers and schoolers. So that was, I think, one of the reasons that we went a little bit over the holidays and a little bit over. But next time we're going to go outside of school holidays so that hopefully we can get um, a space that we can all be right in the, like, all together. Mm. Um, definitely scouting for your location as soon as you get there and taking time to do it taking and not being the time. to load everything up yeah. the beach would be another one. Um, Probably downsizing yeah. some of the stuff that we took. Um, yeah, see, so I, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, see, I think it's more communally. Like I, I think we would, we would, and we were briefed and we were told, but I think that we realise now that we don't probably need to take our own personal stuff if there's a communal item there already. Just stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, don't take COVID on the island. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. No slack line next time maybe. <laughs> and maybe not. Yeah, and I, I, we took a, I took a huge thing of games um, and they really didn't need them, so I probably wouldn't take Oh, not even in the, in the weather when it was a bit rainy? No, they were still playing. Like they played maybe a couple, but I took a massive box. Like there was, mm-hmm. I don't know, probably took about 15 different games, so like I probably wouldn't do that next time. And a lot of like <laughs> they're actually simple crafty and just wool. We took a bit of wool and that kept them entertained for hours. Um, mm. So it's just like they're yeah, just streamlining some of those things that I was like, actually, the island in itself is a natural activity without having to take all the toys. Um, yeah, I would definitely take the first aid kit that we had. Um, mm. Our friend, yeah. the A and E nurse, double stocked that with all the things that she caught, thought could come up, and that was just a nice weight off yeah. to know that that was there. And we did dip into it. You know, it was mainly, mainly band aids and whatnot, but you know, we did use a betadine for the cut and the little you know, what's the pressure pressure band-aid for the cups and, yeah. you know, just the little things that we probably would have had anyway, but it was just nice to know that there was extras in there. Exactly. If things went south. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would take a marine radio ourselves and not be so reliant on the host next time for that. Yeah. And that's probably it. Yeah, I'm so excited to, to just go back and taking all that knowledge and um, informing us. Um. Of what what it is that we're we we know that we're looking for this time, like what that actual real life experience is, and that that informing how we approach mm. the logistics and and packing and all of that sort of stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah, and then as small business owners, it's don't keep all the knowledge, skill mm. share, and build up the people around you. Don't hold off on doing the things that bring you joy. Make time to you know, prioritize those things in your life and your team members' life. Don't let a lack of experience be a barrier. It was so much that we didn't know that we learnt or that mm. we had other people there to complement our skills and expand on people's deep passions, whether that is on the camping trip or whether that's with your team and watch them fly. Yeah. So we've got uh, some things coming up very soon that we would uh, love to invite you to check out if you are interested in running your own business or creating the life that you want to live um, so just maybe have a think about um, what stopped you from exploring a passion because you didn't have the confidence or um, recognising that experience really comes from experimenting like we have. So um, if you are interested in that and um, maybe even if you've been here at Raising Wildlings for a little while, you'll know that we are all about taking the road less travelled and 
we're here to help. Sometimes you need a little map so that you know where you're going. Um, so if you've been working with children or you would like to extend your business into working with children or getting outside and being in nature, um, we can honestly say that starting your own nature play business will lead you to some of the most amazing mentoring, teaching, um, growth moments of your life. But in order to get those moments, you really need to pull up the bootstraps and get to work. So if you would like, we're happy to guide you there um, in those really important first steps. And if that interests you, you can join us for our free four-day challenge to start your own wildly successful nature play business. And we want to help you get on your way to where you want to go, just like we have done. Yeah, whether that's northwest or... <laughs> Or just your own business. Maybe it's lounging around a resort and, you know, enjoying co- swim up cocktail bar. I don't know. That sounds lovely that as well. Sounds amazing as well. <laughs> I'm in for all of these things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can join our wait list for Wild Business, which is a, a course for ch- education change makers just like yourself. You can head to wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business. And uh, we've got some exciting things coming, all wild business related and helping you to find your passion and purpose. We love doing this journey with you and we can't wait to hopefully see you in the free four day challenge. And until next week, stay wild. Thank you.